0: It is Monday, November 15th. I hope you're ready for a week. We do usually have some news, but we have something much better than the news. We're in Palm Beach, Florida with the one and only Brian Kramer. Get ready to bounce. Here we go.
1: Everywhere I go, the people really want to know who I is and who I be. They stop and stare when they see me. If I want, no need to re-
0: Whoops. Sorry for the hard cut in the music. It was supposed to fade out. That's a bad way to start a Monday. <laughs> Okay, I happens. an
2: IDJ, train wrecking. Yeah, Brian, Brian was on the ones and twos.
0: <laughs> so we're, we're here right now in Palm Beach, Florida at the AAAS conference. It's the a uh, conference that Brian Pash puts on. Beautiful Palm Beach. We are sitting in the fifth floor of a former Ritz-Carlton hotel, and we've somehow convinced Brian Kramer to come to the room and record a podcast with him. We told him there was breakfast up here. Sorry about that.
2: Wouldn't have it any other way.
0: <laughs> no place so, I'd rather be right now.
1: So um, the if, look in someone's face when you ask them what they're doing at 730 the next morning and, and, you and then you tell them because, and then you give them a room number.
0: <laughs> you know, we, we were joking that we're just going to, you know, we're going to give them a different room number and we're like, look, knock. If they don't answer, be persistent. And don't take no for an answer. If security shows up, it's all part of the show.
2: It's just like working the service drive.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> we'll find a solution one way or another.
0: Exactly. So um, Brian is, if you don't know Brian, why don't we give you 60 seconds to introduce yourself? And, uh, tell us why you love the auto business too, why you're in there.
2: So my name is Brian Kramer. I'm the, uh, general manager over at Germain Toyota Naples. I love this business, been in it for 26 years, started off as a lot porter and worked my way up and just, uh you know, been through a lot of ups and downs in this business, good times, bad times. And right now is Nirvana. It's the best time we've ever seen. And I think that we've got an obligation, a duty responsibility to, uh, to make sure that we preserve this business and, and don't let go of, uh, you know, how, how amazing it could be.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah, that's, I, I love that. The it's, it's, uh, you know, you said the word preserve, but it's there's there's like another level of that that I think that you talk about, which is more like thrive. Right. It's it's not just like holding on to everything that we've had. It's it's actually another level. Uh, so when, when so when we think about not just like holding on and, and, and making sure we pre- preserve and protect what we have, like protect the good parts, protect the fact that we have the franchise retail system. Uh, but at the same time, like there's another level, there's a step up. That even from where we're at right now, the, this this feeling of nirvana is actually, in in my opinion, and from what we talk about a lot, is there's there's a whole nother level of experience, both from a, a dealership side and a customer side, that we can get in this in this business.
2: No, and right now there's a lot of people that are living in a straw house, while some of us are building, you know, get mortar bricks, and and a lot of people are, you know, at the golf course. Asking, you know, what are you doing? Why are you picking up all these bricks? Laying, you know, don't worry about it. The good, you know, the the times are great right now. You need to enjoy it. And I would highly encourage everybody to be building a brick house because whenever it comes, and it probably isn't coming anytime soon, but the more fortified you are with your processes, your systems, your people, your culture, which is really what the foundation needs to be right now, the the more when the supply comes back, it's going to be exponential in terms of uh, the payback.
0: You know, the factories are going to fire up again. I think that's one of the things that you hear so many people talking about. Well, I don't know what OEMs are going to do. Are they going to, you know, we're going to have big inventories again or not. I don't think it matters in the sense of like how big the inventory is going to be. But you just know the nature of OEMs. And once it gets rolling, the temptation to keep making and keep pushing like I think it's going to migrate in the direction of too much inventory again at some point. It'll
2: probably happen sooner than later. You really think that? Yeah, we're going to be at 80% of where we were in December and January. So
0: you're hearing indicators that are are saying like
2: extremely positive.
0: Yeah. So this time, well, like 6 months ago, it was a very different story, right? 6 just 6 months ago, it was like especially, you know, some of the Toyota dealers that I know, like you being one of them, are like yeah, well, they gave us an allocation. Now we're selling out of our allocation, right? We're selling out of incoming, which was a new thing. And then Everybody had the meeting where it was like, "Hey, yeah, remember those cars that you knew were coming? Well, they're not coming anymore. Or actually, twenty like percent of those that wasn't that long ago. That was
2: in October.
0: Wait a minute.
2: September, October. Yeah,
0: that's when it happened. It's only November, man. my I know. my sense of timing, but it, is way off these days. But it
2: it was uh, it was painful, and it and it took forever, and and everybody had a lot of downtime unexpectedly, and. Not everybody used it in the same the same way, and it's going to rebound in like a rubber band. But when it does, I don't think you're going to see the day's supply on the ground that much. I mean, we're sold out through November into the first week of December already, and we've got 230 sold inbound units. Had to retool all of our processes. We had to rework our CRM workflows, how we communicate with customers, the slow drip to keep them uh, – you know, tuned in with videos and all the different things. And we had to rethink our whole business and get everybody in a room as always and ask, you know, what's the best way to do it? And we're st- it's still an ongoing thing, but I don't think that's going away. And even when we sell more cars, which we're projecting March of 2022 to be our all-time record best month ever, you know, straight up, even though October was our worst volume month in 15 years, we're going to go from that to that and it's all based on supply, demand, and, but the demand is there and I don't think that even when we sell you know, 600 to 650, maybe 700 cars in the month of March, that we're going to have more than you know, 30 cars on the ground at any given time because I think that's the new normal for the foreseeable future. It's going to seem like there's no inventory, but, I, but the sales are, are going to, the velocity is going to increase.
0: Right, so it's going to be just like a regular flow coming in and our
2: i think the sales staffs across the whole country have gotten more disciplined about selling inbound units they just can't get away from that what what got them to that point because it's a lot of it's a lot of evolution
1: yeah yeah i i think that's an interesting thing you know as we look at the the cycle of the last two years right and what people have grown attached to and then moved away from i i i our our minds are so forgetful, right? When when covid first hit march of 2020, right? Everybody dove in said, we have to be able to deliver vehicles to people, we have to be able to transact online, we have to be able to have these conversations when people aren't in the showrooms across the country, right? And then uh, there, there's there's a there's a wide swath of the automotive industry that's forgetful about that time, right? And so the majority. warning, the warning is is don't be forgetful about the time that you learned how to sell inbound units. Right. And that's what you're saying is we, we retool, we, we didn't just like put a band-aid on it. We actually, we, we dug deep. We retooled knowing that the better trajectory is a retool so that we can continue that trajectory with our teams and with our customers. Right.
2: Oh, for sure. And it's going, and a lot of people are going to get away from that. When there's inventory in the ground, we're going to start getting less discipline in our pricing and all the disciplines that got us to this point. But it, you know, a lot of people also say, well, this, they're they're, on, you know, never before times, but I'll also say when I was selling Lexus back in the nineties, when the RX 300 came out, you know, back when there was wagon wheels, (laughs) the, (laughs) there was a 18 month waiting list, you know, six or 18 month on SC four thirties and 01 and LS four thirties. And whenever new models come out, the Bronco is a great example. You know, like I I had a, a friend of mine, my daughter's, Uh, friend's dad, he went over to order a Corvette and they took the order, had a very defined process for ordering Corvettes. No problem because, Hey, I also want to get a Tahoe. Oh, we don't have any Tahoes. Well, can I put a deposit on one? No, we don't take deposits. But what was that whole thing about the Corvette?
0: just for the Corvette. What was that deposit (laughs) talk? Same company makes this, right? Yeah. What was all that deposit talk?
2: (laughs) So they're like, well, no, I mean, if it's here, when it's here, he goes, when's the next one coming in?
0: You never Uh know. You know,
2: the shipments, they come in, you know, here and there and they don't, management doesn't communicate that with us because they won't give them access to GM Global Connect and they won't empower, enable their people. But, oh, but you do know the Corvette. Well, we don't, we don't have any allocations. So yeah, it's just an order. Well, can I order a Tahoe? No, we don't hold cars. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this sounds like a Saturday night live routine, <laughs> is, like a who's on is, first.
1: Yeah.
2: And it happens every day in car dealerships. You know, we've got a you know, in a Nissan dealership. So we're not
1: forgetful like one year over one year. We're like we're like ten minutes over ten minutes. What are you really? talking about? Right. We right. Don't, we don't do that. You just did it.
0: And think about how many Nissan combat.
2: dealers will take an order on a GTR, but they won't take one uh, when they don't have any ultimas in stock or any rogues.
0: You know, order order culture is much more advanced in Europe. People are much more I'm used to ordering a vehicle three months before they need it, um, and I've always been fascinated by the difference between that culture and the culture as it's been in the U.S., where we just sit on thousands and thousands of vehicles just sitting on the ground. I wonder if this is going to be the thing that changes it forever.
2: I hope it is.
0: I think uh, let's think about who doesn't hope it is. Who who would who would have a vested interest in dealers holding floor plan? The only thing, the only people I can think of are the banks.
2: Yeah, especially in interest rates right now, it's not even that. It's not looking, but but
0: but it probably will change. But banks that floor plan are the only ones really making money on a dealer having inventory sitting.
1: Well, and well, and the OEM because they make the money at the wholesale, not the retail, right? So that's why that's why inventory is consistently pumped down. But Um,
2: they have to have more incentive. Their incentive spending, right? As that
1: car gets older, right, the incentive spend goes up and
0: up, and then just think of all the friction that adds into the relationship. Right, because then you have you know the inventory managers pushing inventory. Everybody now, everyone's trying to do this back end dealing to try to like not get cars, get the right cars, ship the crap cars to the other guy. And there's just I don't see anybody that wins. I'm trying to think of it. The own-
1: think about this. I think about this in terms of like the restaurant industry, right? The restaurant industry keeps the supply that they need when they need it for the time that they need it, right? Like they, they a small industry like that has like supply chain management and, well, and in inventory perishable, right? right? That's right. like Dale
0: Pollack's like, think of it like, you know, a bunch of bananas, market. Yeah. fish yes. market, right? Like the longer you have that, the more it starts to stink uh, and it, it loses value and dies. Yes. There's a health issue there though, right? <laughs> yep. Like, Especially in why, a wet market. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Hold <laughs> so I, I don't I even know, don't know what sound know. effect to play <laughs> for that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> But I'll say this, the
2: same people that want to have a lot of new car inventory, the same people that feel that they need to have 200 used cars to sell a hundred a month, or you got to have, you know, a, a 60 day or a 90 day supply when, it, when it's flat right, out, that's just not that's the That's gone.
0: That's gone. Now, now Brian Benstock has been showing us that for a long time because he's limited in space, but now it's like, he's like pulse. a European it, dealer. He is. He is in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, But if you think about that mentality, the smaller stores all of a sudden have a really big opportunity to compete now because if you're no longer going to be competing on availability and inventory size because it's more just-in-time as it's coming through, if you're a store that has been struggling or that's been one of your challenges is having a neighbor or a competitor that has a huge inventory, now's the time where if you have an amazing process and experience – you can all of a sudden be the place because you're all playing on a level playing field with an inventory.
2: Big time. And right now, all the... Beginning this month, and specifically, everybody's twelve-month allocation, which is what every manufacturer went to instead of a ninety-day. Everybody's still in that twelve-month roll. So it's when everybody dipped, right now, anybody who has an unfair unfair share or competitive advantage by doing things transparently—that they turn, you know, eighty, ninety percent of their inventory, and they don't revert to charging over MSRP and going for gross over new car velocity, and just maintaining that balance. And I'm not saying to give cars away. I'm, you know, I'm saying that MSRP is a fair price, but it should be as close to that as possible. It doesn't need to be a lot over because your day supply, the turn rate has to increase because you can gobble up somebody else's market share. And this is a, for the smaller stores, it's a huge market share grab.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and I think market share is the real win here, right? Because if you can increase market share, both in your OEM and outside of your OEM, then you it, it's, it's, a, it's it's really, it's a land grab. It's, it's, it's the same as the, you know, as, uh, buying land or buying real Beach estate beachfront property, right? You're buying, they just, all the property. houses
0: just got knocked down. Exactly. And it's like, who's going to build the best house? For this right now. Yeah, and if, if you care
1: and, and if you put a good care system in place for that beachfront property, the beachfront property will continue to produce revenue for you over the time. So if you think about the the clients and the customers that are engaging with you in this, if you if you gain their trust, gain them in, in the market share. You're building then, a seawall. Then you're being, yeah, being there that's, you go. <laughs> He took, he he took the, the metaphor and just like pushed it to yeah. the edge. Brick Literally. by
0: brick. All right, so we have like a minute and a half left. Brian, you were here two days ago for the Cxo Summit, which was a very small, like, super twenty group that Brian put to, uh, Brian Pash put together. You were there. Brian Benstock was there. Some other big players were there. Um, Tom Moore from the Morgan Auto Group. So, tell us what happened inside that room that we were in there for. What can you tell us? It was. What uh, were you talking about? I'm always fascinated. Like, what was the topic? What were the topics of conversation when you get that level of people in the room?
2: Okay, that's a great question because I'll tell you what that room was was straight fire. And, and every single person in that room was contributing and, and adding value. And I mean, I took pages and pages of notes and learned a, a ton and Ben stock was saying the exact same thing. So they were talking about very high level, different KPIs that we had never considered and why,
0: like what, mm. give us some examples,
2: um, that we're talking about what percentage of your sale, what percentage of your appraisals on site on scenes on remote, uh, appraisals oh, vir- wow. virtual versus in showroom, what? um dg dg was talking about i mean they had metrics three pages of and i I forget exactly what all they were but well dg sales, dg
1: has built a whole data lake and they're building into just technology and 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 resourcing that most dealers could and not even dream is possible for for the automotive industry.
2: pvr per click I mean Whew. just crazy
1: like <laughs> like
2: stuff that it's just hard for you to wrap your mind around. I mean yeah, they're they're trying to leverage Salesforce and yeah. and uh, stuff that I've never even you know considered. I mean that's yeah. that's a lot of the stuff that was going on but then Tom Moore brought it back and, and Joe uh Lampierre they both brought it back down to keep us grounded because you can very easily go up into the clouds in those types of situations. Yeah. And I I'll tell you something else that was interesting uh Nick Sabella was talking about, they got 19 rooftops and, and all everybody was talking about the different levels of buy-in from in the same group. You know, I experienced the same thing in my group mm-hmm. from myself to other people that aren't as bought in. There's a lot of different ways, but I think that the biggest takeaway cause Tom Moore was talking about Carvana and we should have a competitive advantage, which he's right. You know, and I agree. If you yep. think about Instacart and grocery stores, people still want to buy from their local. We're pushing them away to go buy somewhere else. And as he he said, he goes, "There's more than the the um, the young lady from Walzer was there talking about single point of contact, one price." And there was a, obviously a lot of debate about that. And it, was, and it got very yeah. passionate and between all of us. And <laughs> Passion back is myself. a good word for it, right? It, <laughs> I can't but imagine it was, that. It, it was lively. But Tom Moore said, he goes, you know, the one thing that I'll take away from this is that there's no one way to skin a cat. And there's no one way to do it. Because everybody in that room does things completely differently. But they all are successful Massively in many successful.
1: different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kyle, bring us home for today it's all time we have i think that that's the, that's the key that's the that's the kicker is is whether you're going to a conference or sitting in a room with your with your team figure out the best way to do business for the people in your market and win at that and you'll be successful Everywhere i go the people really want know who i is and who i be they stop and stay when they see me if it's I want it's no need to repeat